Welcome to the Lookout Post. This is B. Nevalent, your host. I'm so glad you could join us. Tonight's titled episode is Where Were You When God Laid the Foundation of the Earth? Stated in Job chapter 38, verse 4. I've come across a lot of people lately in the last month or so claiming that there's no God and that science is the answer to life and creation. Of course, the evolution nuisance that we all hear about, that we all know about, Darwinism. That's the only thing that's, that's the first thing that's taught in college. When you go to college to learn to study any type of uh, physics or any type of uh, biology or anything that has to do with science, the first thing they teach you is Darwinism, is evolution nuisance that we will evolve from animals which in itself is laughable but you know what for the sake of the misled souls that hunger for truth and those that scratch the wall in darkness searching for light i will continue with this topic and not only that but i believe the lord has put this on my heart so in a way i'm somewhat convicted to do this but I tell you one thing, this is the one and only time, because I'm not going to go down this road. Normally, I wouldn't even entertain the idea of proving God's existence. While all along, he's allowing my voice box to project sounds through the receptors of my brain. How does that happen? With no connection and no power source that's visible to the human eye. But yet, it just happens. And they want to say that evolution allows this to happen. First of all, where's the creation of evolution? In order for anything to exist, there has to be a designer. There has to be a designer of a pattern of an organism. Anything that lives or breathes, there has to be something that allow it to come to existence. There has to be a source to continue. So you're going to tell me that these animals just appeared, and so now we evolved from them into humans with the knowledge that we have. We're spiritual beings. The Bible tells us that animals have no spirit. When animals die, they go straight to the grave. They have no soul. Animals were here for our purpose. Animals were created for man. Whether love them, whether whatever it is that we need from an animal, it's they're there for. So when you when people say that, you know the PETA, the PETA people, it's not about that. It's not about cruelty. If you're a sick person and you inflict harm on an animal, then yeah, yeah, shame on you. You're disgusting. But if you use an animal for the sake of curing another human being. That's the gift of God. God put that animal there so that you can do that. 
He don't want you to experiment on another human. That's that's satanic. You see, the same way I'm, um, he's allowing me to use my voice to spread this message, God has a voice too, you know. God's voice is... Actually, there's no word to explain his voice. In Psalms 29, verse 3, it reads, The voice of the Lord is upon the waters. The God of glory thunders. The Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. Yes, the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. The voice of the Lord divides the flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. But I'm sure some scientists, well, most scientists and professors will beg to differ. I'm sure that they would have their own theologies and their own philosophies and their own ideologies regarding why the Bible is mere fiction and folklore and just you know, great poetry and great literature. It was great writing, you know, but it, it's not literal. It's not, it's not, it's not accepted in today's modern world. And it's, it's insufficient of information. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try my best by the grace of God to allow the Bible to interpret itself. And then you the listeners you can take whatever you want out of it it's up to you it's your, you make your own decision but at the end of the day God is still going to be God regardless of what you believe or, or what you say that doesn't change the fact that he still is the creator it doesn't change the fact that he still makes you still breathe and even be able to even discuss this topic right now but you know what unbelief has been going on for centuries. But there's one thing about God, no matter what, in, in every section, in every part of the world, he always has his true people. Even though this is a godless world, and back then it was godless. So when you contrast now from then in the days of the Bible, there is no difference because the, the immorality and the, and the lack of knowledge of God was prevalent in them times as it is now. But there was a man by the name of Job. He was a strong-willed, strong-spirited, a lover of the Lord, a true believer, a warrior of God was Job. But the same as now, Job would always be around friends who would always talk negative of God and always doubt him. And there was doubters and haters and, and those who used to say, oh, man, you're, you're living a dream. And so his friends would always, you know, ridicule and, and talk down about God. So Job had a relationship with the Lord. And the Lord posed some, some, a series of questions that would challenge any person walking it was some series of questions that he posed to the non-believers of those times as there are today. So in the book of Job, in chapter 38, verse 4, God posed some questions to the non-believers of those times. 
He, the God's uh, questions to challenge the critics and the doubters with a series of thought-provoking questions that will stumble, topple over, leave sleepless and speechless every single man of supreme intelligence ever known in ancient and modern history. When I read this, I, I, I myself tremble because you, you, you have to read this. This is God speaking directly to him. And Job 38, starting at verse 3, he says, Gird up, gird up now your loins like a man. So he's saying, stand up like a man. Be a man. Tighten up your belt. Tighten up your boots. Get ready for war. Stand up like a man. Look at me like a man. For I will demand of you and answer me. He's saying, I'm going to demand you to answer me. I want an answer. Since you know so much, since you're so wise, you know where the wind's coming from, and you know when the, the sun's going to go down. No one knows, but... So therefore he's asking, in verse 4 he says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it if you have understanding. Just off that, you're left speechless. You like, declare it. God's asking you to declare it. He wants you to give him the understanding of the foundation of the earth. So go for it. In verse 5 he says, who has laid the measures thereof, if you know? Or who has stretched the line upon it? Who, who has measured the earth? Who measured it and who knows exactly the measurements, the exact inches and feet and, and millimeters? Who knows that? Do, does any man you know know the, the exact measurements of the earth? Verse 6, whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? What, what is it fastened to? What holds it on? What holds the earth in place? Stops the earth from tipping over or going out of orbit or just being on its own or just becoming rogue and, and just crashing into another planet or another uh, uh, meteor, just whatever. What is it fastened to is what God's asking you. This is, this is mainly for, this is for the agnostics and this is for the atheists. These are the questions that God is asking you right now. Okay, so get ready. See if you can answer them. In verse 6, he says, Whereupon are the foundations thereof fastened? Where are the foundations of the world fastened? Where, where is it? Where, you know, how is it lined up? Do you have the, the, the uh, schematics? Do you have the blueprint? Show me the blueprint of the earth. He said, Or who laid the cornerstone thereof? Who laid the cornerstone of the earth? Who allow it to be planted and solid and, and withstand all of the punishment that man has been doing to it? Who, who's been, you know, maintaining it and keeping, keeping track of it? And who's doing these things? He says, when the morning stars, they sang together and all of the sons of God shouted for joy. When the morning stars sing together, that's when it's beautiful out. All the sons of God shout for joy. When we look up in the sky and we see the, he paints the picture for us. He paints beautiful pictures for us that we can be joyful and happy and, and we can be peaceful. We love to look up in the sky and look at his beautiful A landscape. It's, it's the most, it's 
There's nothing more beautiful than a dark night full of, full of stars that your eyes can see. And then in verse 80, he asks, who has shut up the seas with doors when it breaks forth? That's like a grand dam just busting, like the levees just busting. But the levees of the, of the Red Sea or the, the levees to the, the, a sea, not a river, a sea. He's just saying, who has shut the doors to those seas when it breaks forth as if it had issued out of the womb? Wow. As if it was like a baby coming out of the womb, how the, the afterbirth just gushes out, how it just comes out like a river. He's saying, who has shut the doors of the sea? Answer, who, who knows who's shut the doors of the seas that allows it not to come past the border. You know, most people in Venice Beach and Miami Beach and everybody lives beachside. Usually people at beachside, they got bread, right? You live beachside. But what if God didn't shut the doors to the sea? What if he said, I'm going to let these doors open on these people? Since they, they think their money is God, I'm going to show them who God is. What if he just opened up the doors to the sea? And let all the people in Venice Beach and Miami Beach and, 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 and Malibu Beach and all these beachside homes, what if he just unleashed the seas upon them? See, people don't think about stuff like that. But I guess, I guess um, evolution, evolution is the one that stops the water from coming upon the face of the earth and just covering everyone, huh? Evolution is... It just tells itself, you know what, guys? All right, we've made them into human beings now. Now we need to stop the uh, elements. Okay, now you, it's like a you, you, we evolved, but now what? Where does it go from there? How do we continue? You know what I'm saying? How, do, how are we continuing on and on, century after century? Where's the, the resources and the sources and uh, uh, provision? that we need in order to continue. Where is that? Where are these things in evolution? And where are these things in the Big Bang Theory? And where are these things in science? But we're gonna get to that, we're gonna get to that. In verse 11, he speaks to the waves. He said, and from here, you shall not come. You should come no further. And here shall thou proud waves be stayed. It says hitherto, but I'm speaking in layman's terms. I'm speaking in modern terms. There's no need to repeat the shall and thou because it just means you. So I'm going to go ahead. I'm not going to say the shout and thou, but I am and always and always will be reading from the King James. So, and said from here, shall you come, but you shall come no further. And here shall your proud waves be stayed. So he's saying the, the waves and the crashing and the roaring and the wild tempest of, let's say, the Mediterranean Sea. He's telling them, you should go no further and your proud waves should be stayed. And it stays. And it stays. It doesn't talk back. It doesn't mumble, it doesn't growl, it doesn't, doesn't, you know, slam the door and go in his room. 
it stays. He says in verse 16, have you entered into the springs of the sea or have you walked in the search of the depth? But we remember when the Lord Yeshua, Jesus, when he walked on the waters, we remember that. And when Peter seen him and Peter almost drowned because of his unbelief, but the Lord stretched out his hands and saved them. We remember that. Those who know their Bible, they remember that. And those who don't know that story, that's a, a, a story of faith. Who's who? Peter started out with faith. But when, they, when, when the seas got really rocky and things started to get really hectic, he gave up. He gave up. But the Lord was there anyway. The Lord was there. He stretched his hand out. In verse 17, he says, has the gates of death been opened unto you? Wow. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know what? I think at this point, right, at this point of the, of the series of questions, there's not a man standing. You know that? There's not a man standing out of millions and trillions of people. Billion, okay, millions, billions, trillions, right, and zillions or, or gazillions, whatever. There's not a man standing. By the time you get to verse 17, if you're standing, you're, you're, you are a one intelligent person. I tell you that, boy. He said, have the gates of death been opened unto you? How do you answer that, man? How do you answer that? That's what I want to know. How do you answer something like that? Have the gates of death been opened unto you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? <laughs> you know what? Hold on. Hold on, y'all. I'm sorry. I, I just had to compose myself. Uh, you know, I, I just, I was a little shaken myself. I had to shake it off and, and, and kind of like get myself back in order because that threw me back. Like, I, wow. Imagine it. God asking you something like that. I got to read it one more time. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I mean, this, 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 these series of questions alone, alone should, should answer everything that you need to know about God, if God is real or not. No one can make questions. No man, no one human could come up with series of questions like this. And then you being able to answer it? Have you perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare it if you know it all. <laughs> this, is how, this is how proud and full of pride man is. It's, it's to the point where God's getting, he's getting frustrated. He's like, answer me. You know so much. You know everything. I want you to answer me. In verse 19, he says, where is the way where light dwells? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Where are these places? Where, first of all, he's saying, where does the light dwell? Where does it go? Where does it come from and where does it go? And as for darkness, where is the place thereof? Where is it? Where's the darkness? Where's its place? Where's its home? Where does it make its home? 
that you should take it to the bound thereof, and that you should know the paths to the house thereof. He's basically saying that you should go to the, you should go to his house. Go to the, he wants, <laughs> God has a sense of humor. He said he wants you to go to the house of darkness. And he wants you to know, he, he's asking you where you should know the paths to the house of darkness. Do you know it? Because you was then born. Or because the number of your days is great. He's saying, you were just, you were born in the darkness. Do you know, do you know when? He said, you know it all. You were just born. Or, or maybe it's because the number of your days is great. He's being sarcastic. <laughs> Verse 22. Have you entered into the treasures of the snow? Or have you seen the treasures of the hail? Do you know where hail and snow come from? Have you been in the treasures of them? Have you been around them? Which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of battle and war. He says that in Revelations. Remember, he said hail and snow and fire mm, and blood. By what way is the light parted? Which scatters the east wind upon the earth. <laughs> Agnostics, atheists, professors, scientists, doubters, haters, all of you guys. I want you guys to huddle up. I want you guys to come up with an answer, all of you guys at the same time, together. Put your heads together and give me an answer just for one of these, just for one verse. Not all of them. Just give me an answer for one, please. He says, who has divided a water course for the overflowings of water or a way for the lightning of thunder. Who has divided a water course for the overflowing of water? Have you? Have you divided any water courses lately? I wonder if uh, Darwin has ever divided any water courses for the overflowing of water. Or, or has he divided the, uh, away for the lightning of thunder? I wonder, wonder if anyone you know has done anything like that. Hmm. To cause it to rain on the earth where no man is. It's raining on wildernesses where it's just inhabited by, by animals. And he allows it to rain upon it. Why is he doing that? Why is he just allowing it to rain for no reason? You know why? God's going to tell you why in 27. To satisfy the desolate and waste ground and to cause the bud of the tender herb to spring forth. Mm. Has the rain a father? Who's the rain's father? Or who has borne the drops of the dew? Wow. Do they have... Uh, do they have birth certificates? Who's the daddy? Who's the daddy? Out of whose womb came the ice and the hoary frost of heaven? Who has gendered it? Who determined it to be male or female? Have you did that? Did you do that last weekend? Hmm. The waters are hid as a with a stone and the face of the deep is frozen. Talking about the uh, Ar Ar Antarctica and the Arctics. The waters are hid 
as with a stone. The waters are, are hid within the stone because they're frozen, like the igloos. And the face of the deep is frozen. The face of the deep is just talking about it's so cold that even within the sea it's frozen. Can you bind the sweet influences of Plato's or loose the bands of Orion? Now we're getting into space. Now we're getting into space. We're talking about the planets. He's talking about, do you have, can you influence the planets? Do you have control over the planets? Can you loosen them? Can you allow them to go without, you know, go out of their boundaries in the galaxy? Because God knows exactly where they are. He has planted them. He's placed them in a specific order. And he knows exactly where they are and where they're supposed to be. But since you know so much, since your scientific theories and, you know, you know so much, you know more than anyone. I, you know, God wants to know if you, if you can loosen the bands of Orion. He says... Do you know the ordinances of heaven? Can you set the dominion thereof in the earth? Wow. He's asking, can you set the dominion of heaven in the earth? Can you bring heaven down to earth? That's what he's asking you. Can you do that? Can you lift up your voice to the clouds that abundance of waters may cover you? Can you... So... so in the old English, it says, Canst thou lift up thy voice to the clouds, that abundance of waters may cover thee. Could you do that? Canst thou send lightnings that they may go and say unto you, here we are. Wow. You know, at this point, I wouldn't even be surprised as, as some of those uh, agnostics and some of my atheist friends would have, you know, took off by now. Because at this point, we, I'm not even going to go any further. Point is made. This is just basically allowing man to realize who's in charge. Allowing man to stay in his lane and humble himself before your God. But we can't do that because we think we know more than anybody. Especially those who are of a high education. But you have to realize all our education comes from man. So the knowledge that we receive of worldly knowledge is from man-to-man -man knowledge. We can always learn this by going to school, by being under the tutelage of someone who professes in these uh, certain degrees, in these certain um, subjects. But when it comes to godliness and it comes to spirituality, now you step outside the box and you become powerful. You become, this is power because this is something man that has no idea of. The, the average man or the natural man who knows not the spirit of God, who knows not the Bible, who knows nothing about God. These things are foolishness, the Bible says to him. But us of this belief and us of this faith, we are warriors walking with our armors on, walking with our swords in our hands and our shields of faith covering our faces for the battle. So this is not to ridicule or not to offend anyone, 
the book itself offends. So I don't need to step in. I don't need to do any favors for God. The message is to allow those who hear this to know that there is only one source of life, and that's God. His name is Jehovah the Father. The Son is Yeshua HaMashiach, the Messiah. In English, translated English from, from Latin, in Old English, is Jesus Christ. Clearly, these questions can only be answered by the author and the creator of life. I wonder, you think Einstein, Galileo, Michelangelo, Isaac Newton, Da Vinci, or even the great Darwin himself will be able to even comprehend what was asked of him. With all the resources in the world at his grasp, he wouldn't even dare open their mouths with a miserable attempt to answer, which in itself is shame and chastisement for even questioning his existence while his creations are transparent to mankind to prevent any excuses. In Romans 1.19 it says, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. That's pretty self-explanatory. But we still have men that just refuse, refuse, they just continue to be between a rock and a hard place when it comes to their belief and it comes to their, their faith. They have none and there is no belief. But then again, you know, everyone is to themselves. You cannot judge anyone for their beliefs. You can't judge anyone for their stand on faith. You have, you, we have to respect everyone as human beings for the choices and the decisions that they make in their lives because it's their lives. Everyone was given their own life and everyone was given a, a free will in life. God has given us a free will and that's the thing. He's also given us a conscience. A conscience is the human guilt that we feel from doing things that, e that are immorally wrong. We know right from wrong from we were babies. This is our instinct. God has put his spirit in our hearts and in our minds. So therefore, when we do things, we immediately know that it's wrong. And it even gets heightened when you become uh, a child of God being baptized under the Holy Spirit because once you adapt the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit takes a hold of your life, then things not only become heightened, sins become like gnats in, in Africa all over the, the, uh, the yaks and the, the willoughbys. You know how the gnats are all over them and the flies... That's how it is. Sin no longer is glamorous. Sin becomes a nuisance. Sin is like a gnat. You can't get rid of it. No matter how much you try to do good, no matter how much you try to walk in a righteous path, you're always led down a path of darkness. You're always led towards sin because the closer you get to God is the more attacks that you get because they, they want to bring you back. They want to bring you back. Satan wants to bring you back to his kingdom. 
So whenever you, whenever you cross over and whenever you convert over to God's side, ah, oh, he doesn't like that. No, no, no. And when you use the, your Bible as a sword, as a weapon, Satan gets very nervous, especially if you know how to wield that sword. It's one thing that, to hold a sword and carry it. But if you don't know how to wield it and you don't know how to maneuver it and you don't have any skills with it, it's useless to you. Unless you put faith into it and trust to know that master of that weapon will be able to show you how to use it. The master will guide you, will walk you through it. And before you know it, you'll be walking in the shadows of the master. This is how the spirit world is. And this is why it's so hard for people to grasp the concept that this is real because they don't believe in what they can't see. That's the thing. We always need to see something in order to believe it. Yes, when, when you think about it, we need to see it in order to believe it. That's correct. But when you get on spiritual things and you start to look at things on a higher plane and you start to realize that these things happen for a reason, everything happens for a purpose and a reason. Nothing is by chance. Nothing is a coincidence. There's no such thing. No good luck. Good luck is just a worldly term. Good luck. I wish you the best of luck. Luck is something that you leave up to chance. That you hope. And you just cross your fingers. Oh my goodness. Cross your fingers. I hope this. I hope I'm lucky tonight. It's no such thing as luck. God has written everything. Everything is written. So they say, oh, well. If it's written, then why does he allow these things to happen if you already know what's going to happen? We have free will. God's not going to let you know what's, what our outcome is. He's not going to tell you the exact date and the time and the day and the place in which you're going to pass. Truthfully, it's none of our business. It's really none of our business. Because who are we to question the master? Who are we to question our creator? That's like the, the clay questioning the potter. Why did you make me? Why did you make me with an elbow instead of an, a nose? The potter would just look at that clay and, and just drop it to the ground and just smash it and make a new one, a more obedient one. You know, but the thing is, God is not, he doesn't think that way. He loves each and every ornament that he's created. He loves us so much that he gave his only son to be condemned on our behalf for our sakes to free us from damnation. And then we have the nerve to question his existence. You know, there's been records. And another thing, a lot, all these things, all of these uh, quotes and any information that I'm speaking on, I urge you to research, I urge you to research everything that is said, every word that comes out of my mouth, research it all. If it sounds fishy, if it doesn't sound like it makes sense, then usually it doesn't. So go on and check it out, check me out. You know, I have nothing to hide, I'm not getting paid by this. This is all from the heart, this is all 
from conviction, and this is all from duty, being humble. Because I sense the Spirit of God wants me to do this, so here I am. All right, that wraps up this episode, this segment of this episode. Uh, We're going to continue with part two on the next one. As always, I thank you for listening. God bless you, your families, and take care of yourselves.